When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Drive for Show DFS for Doe here on Roto Grinders. Happy to be with you once again, taping on a Monday evening, a little bit later start time if you're watching this live. But uh, Noto had a back to school night for his little guy, and uh, I have our back to school night for our uh, little ones. Uh, I guess not little ones anymore. Uh, none of them are really little ones. Grade schoolers uh, tomorrow. So uh, we just uh, pushed back to start time a little bit and should be fairly easy for us to get through this field uh, with the second event of the FedEx Cup playoffs and only 68 golfers in the field for this week. So we'll probably be a fairly brief show for you tonight, but we'll still break it down. For the BMW Championship, of course, I am Justin Van Zuden, a.k.a. STL Cardinals 84. I've got Derek Farnsworth alongside me, who hit another outright with Will Zalatoris last week. So nicely done, Noto, and uh, really nice to see Zalatoris kind of finally get that off his back. And, uh, you know, maybe he can take off from here. Yeah, life is good right now. Uh, Willie Z with the first win. Uh, the house is about to be a lot more quiet uh, here in the next couple of days with a uh, little one going back to school. So, uh, yeah, life's good. Football's around the corner. Baseball playoffs about to gear up. So, uh, yeah, doing well. Uh, I'm excited for this week because after this, uh, I don't know, tour championships kind of blah for, for DFS and betting. And then we don't have anything for a little while, right? Yeah, I believe there's a few weeks off there before the uh, the, the fall swing gets back into uh, in maybe in, say, mid-September. I'm going to pull up the schedule and see. Uh, now that they switched everything around, I always get confused as to how much of a break there is. But uh, let's see. So the Tour Championship is next week, which would be the week of the 22nd. And then I'll load up the 2022-2023 calendar here, and we'll see when that starts back up. But it feels like there's usually maybe two weeks uh, before the the fall swing kicks in. So a, a little break never hurts, especially if you're you know starting to get into FL research and all that stuff. So yeah, September 15th is the start of the first event. So uh, we've got two weeks off. Um, between the tour championship and the, the start of the fall swing. So basically if you're not playing next week or you don't think next week is all that great, you got three weeks, uh, which it just coincides nicely with the start of football season. Yeah, for sure. And then uh president's cup should be fun too. Assuming, you know, all those big names don't go to live and uh, aren't <laughs> able to play that might be just a bunch of scrubs out there, but uh, yeah, fun time in the schedule. And uh, we got to talk about this playoff, I guess. 
Yeah, uh, so it, it was a wild finish there. Uh, Will Zalatoris making the, uh, the the par save on 18, uh, which got him into the playoff, and then they both uh, both Zalatoris and Straka got in trouble off the tee on the first uh, playoff hole, or was it the second playoff hole? Um, Zalatoris went uh, way out into somebody's backyard, and Straka went in the water. Uh, they both ended up making really solid par saves there. And then they uh, went to the third playoff hole. They decided to play a par three. Zalatoris' ball played Plinko with the rocks and somehow did not go into the water. Uh, Straka did go into the water. And then Zalatoris decided to drop anyway and ended up winning with a bogey. So <laughs> it was one of the wilder three-hole playoffs that you will see. Uh, but they both made some clutch putts there, despite the ball striking in those last few holes being quite suspect. But it was really entertaining. Yeah, it was wild. Uh, for a while, it was looking like Zalatoris was going to run away with it. And uh, I got a couple friends into golf betting the last you know, couple months, and they both had Zalatoris. And I'm like, who is this Straka guy? He was hitting everything to 19 feet every single hole, even if he was behind a tree. And, and they just couldn't believe it. I couldn't either. I mean, missing six straight cuts. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, Z makes that big putt um, to force the playoff. And uh, he yells, what are they going to say now? I, mean, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but then, yeah, in the second playoff hole, he have Straka gets a good break. Uh, he ends up being dry. And you see him taking his shoes off. And then Zalatoris is over there with a five iron thinking he's going to curve it around the trees and go for it over the water. Um, they both end up, you know, one laying up and I couldn't believe Straka took that penalty. Um, everybody, I was like, okay, we got this Willie Z. And then he stuck, sticks it to six feet. Uh, Z sticks it to like 13 makes, but both make. And then like you mentioned, the par three was just wild. Um, one of the golf digest guys went out there and tried that shot, um, that Zalatoris would have had when it was in between the, the grass and the rock. And, uh, it went straight backwards into the water when he uh, when he tried it. So uh, I'm glad he made the decision to go back. Uh, worst case scenario, probably, uh, you know, force another playoff hole. So, yeah, it was awesome. Great to see him breaking through. And Phil for, Phil a bit for uh, Straka, but, I mean, just out of nowhere, second place finish, and now he's, uh, like, t- top ten in the rankings or something. And the, the weird thing was, like, Zalatoris hit his ball first on the par three. And so the pin was tucked on the right side. I yeah. think it's guarded by a bunker in the front, and then you had the water around it. Like, Straka did not have to go after the pin. He obviously knew that Zalatoris was going to have either no shot or a very difficult shot, um, unless he just kind of shanked it a little bit. But it seemed like he took a, a line that was maybe a little more aggressive than he should have, given the fact that he wasn't playing first. I could understand it if he was playing first, but after – already seeing Zalatoris hit, um, I thought the decision was a little strange, especially given that the, you know, the uh, ball striking had been a little wayward for both of them for the last few holes. But Pryor does weird things, and uh, he's still taking home like $1.3 million, I think, for the second place finish, so he's doing okay. So uh, we can yeah. sit here and criticize him, but uh, he's uh, he's laughing to the bank. So good for Straka, really good for Zalatoris to finally get that win. And uh, congrats to anybody who uh, followed Noto there and uh, and had some outright tickets. So that was the main storyline from last week. Obviously, that's going to get uh, pretty much all of the press and uh, deservedly so. But it was a, a fun event. 
Um, and you had kind of some names that we hadn't really seen in a while in the mix there as well. Lucas Glover, Brian Harmon out of nowhere with that uh, top uh, three finish, telling Noto to never question him again. Uh, we saw Adam Scott finish very well. And then you had some of the household names rounding out that top ten. John Rahm, Colin Morikawa, Tony Finau, another really strong finish. It's Patrick, uh, four straight rounds of 68 or better. And then uh, Sung J.M. finished 12th uh, with a really solid round on Saturday. Justin Thomas inside the top 15, too. So uh, had some guys kind of come up out of nowhere with some strong weeks. And then the leaderboard littered with top plays, uh, which is probably what you're going to see here to round out the playoffs. And we get down to 70 uh, from the uh, 120 some that we had last week. So other takeaways from, uh, from that event for you. Yeah. I mean, the leaderboard ended up looking a lot better uh, when it was all said and done than it did, you know, the start of Sunday. Uh, I think even the live tour tweeted out how bad the leaderboard was looking before Sunday. And then uh, karma bit them there with one of the, the better playoff finishes, you know, in the last few years. So uh, that was interesting, but yeah, you mentioned a lot of big names made the moves on Sunday, Tom Kim, another top 15, and then another thing we got to talk about, I mean, Cam Smith, he was the favorite heading into Sunday's round, gets assessed a two-stroke penalty right before he tees off. You got to think that messes with his mindset. Um, I mean, it was obviously big for me uh, with Dallas Torres' ticket, but uh, the timing of it all just seems uh, a little too, uh, I don't know, <laughs> coincidental, I guess. Now he has withdrawn this week, so yeah. it just feels like there's a little more to that story. Now, maybe we don't know yet. Don't want to speculate, but the live uh, rumors are circulating with him for a while. And uh, know, it seems like there's something amiss there. Uh, but I do agree the timing on that was kind of bogus. Because um, did they assess it overnight? Or like when did it change on the leaderboard? Was it overnight? Was it? Oh, he was the favorite right? the whole night. And then I think when he was on the range is when he found out, uh, you know, warming up for his round. So. I don't know. Weird. And I saw the leaderboard and I was like, I swear Cam Smith was higher than this uh, before he started. And then, uh, you know, the rules said that they saw it the day before when it was live on the broadcast and then uh, did, didn't talk about it again until the morning or something. Yeah, it feels it's like another some... thing like it's kind of a negative if you're, you know, one of the better players because every single shot is, you know, magnified being on on TV. Correct. Yeah. Um it's really interesting. Like, yeah, the first group off of the tee on Saturday, nobody's uh, following them around out unless they happen to be like two big names or something. Um, but uh, such is life. Uh, again, when you're a major champion and all that, uh, I guess you got to take the uh, the bad with the good. But uh, all in all, really interesting event. Lots of talking points. And we are down to 70 golfers now. Uh, but the aforementioned Cam Smith has withdrawn this week. And Tommy Fleetwood, I believe, is out as well, which takes us down to 68. Um, and uh, Wyndham Clark was the last golfer to week through at 70th in the standings. Uh, and he bogeyed the par 5 16th. And he bogeyed the 17th and needed a par save on 18 to uh, make it. And he got it. So uh, he made it a little bit interesting. He was four over on his last five holes. Uh, but managed to uh, squeak through in 70th place. And then after this week, it will be down to the top 30 for the Tour Championship next week. So other takeaways from last week for you before we uh, move on? 
No, I think we're good. Um, this is the time of year when guys get hot. So, you know, the Finals, the Zalatoris, the, those, those guys, wouldn't be surprising to see them kind of run the table. And part of what makes this week a little bit challenging uh, is that we have no course history this week. It's uh, the, the PGA Tour is randomly going to Delaware uh, to Wilmington Country Club for the BMW Championship. So this event has rotated around to different venues throughout the years. Uh, it will be at another new venue this year. So we really don't know how this course is going to play. I mean, I think the last time this was used for any sort of a, a bigger event was like the Palmer Cup, I think it was, back in like 2013. So, um, yeah, the Palmer Cup in 2013. The only player in this field who played in that event was Justin Thomas. And the course has also had a lot of renovations since then. So, there's almost nothing to glean from course history. We have no idea how the course is going to play. And so, I mean, that takes another data point, talking point away. Uh, whereas we've had a lot of course history with some of these events over the past couple of months. So um, what do we make from a first glance at the course and, uh, and who do we think it benefits? Yeah, so like you mentioned, there's never been a professional event here uh, held here, but uh, it is rated as the number one course in Delaware, so it's got that going for it. Um, it is a par 71 that measures over 7,500 yards. I do think everyone's just going to see, you know, the the length of the course and immediately think it's a bomber's track, which it might be. I, I don't know if it will be or not, but I was just looking at the individual, you know, lengths of the holes and the par fives, 582, 634, 649. So I think, you know, probably two of those are going to be three-shot holes for most of the field. And then there's three long par fours, and then there's eight par fours that are less than 450 yards. So a lot of short par fours, and then two par fives that are potentially three-shot holes for pretty much everyone. So I do think that negates the bomber angle maybe a little bit. Um, uh, you could also argue that, you know, some of the shorter par fours, guys might be going for it, some of the longer hitters. So uh, maybe that brings the bomber angle back, um, depending on how firm and fast it is. Maybe the 650-yard par five, maybe they can get there in two. Um, yeah, like you mentioned, we don't know how it's going to play, uh, but the greens themselves, they are massive, 8,100 square feet on average. That's nearly twice the size of uh, last week's greens at TPC Southwind. And uh, there's bunkers everywhere, both off the tee and around the green. Uh, bank grass greens. And uh, a lot of elevation changes, um, so you're going to see, you know, some uneven lies similar to, you know, Augusta, those types where you're hitting it up to perch screens uh, on downhill lies, stuff like that. But I don't really know what to attack, really. I think you can, you know, play certain stacks uh, in terms of skill sets if you want to target like an all-bombers lineup or all-ball strikers lineup, all-putting lineup, something like that. I think that makes sense. I'm looking for guys that have played well on bent grass, guys that have played well on long courses, Guys with a good track record, no cut events, I think makes some sense. Uh, and yeah, that's that's pretty much what I'm doing this week. Yeah, I, I think it uh, it makes some sense, obviously, to lean on the ball strikers. Um, you know, the greens being so big, and this kind of a, a lot of times, I some people are going to say the greens are huge. You're going to have a lot of sixty foot putts. You can't play the bad putters. Uh, other people are going to say it's a new venue. Nobody's seen this. That negates the advantage of a good putter. So fit the narrative however it wants. If you want to play the, the bad putters, the Morikawas, the Hoblins, uh, then use that second argument. If you want to avoid those guys, then you use the first one. Uh, a little bit of guesswork involved. Maybe you play them both in the same lineup and, and you play you know different kind of golfers together if you're building a bunch of GPP lineups. 
uh, maybe embrace the variance a little bit more. I mean, another thing, um, and this is remarkable, Noto did a little bit of his content earlier this afternoon, and then I was doing mine, some of mine before the show. Uh, our thoughts are going to be very identical on a lot of golfers this week, which is weird. Um, but uh, one of the notes that uh, that I saw that he wrote in the expert survey was that you're going to see the narrative this week that you can always build a Stars and Scrubs lineup because it's a no-cut event. And, you know, why not take a couple cheap guys in order to get that win equity at the top? So uh, why don't you just uh, touch on that briefly before we start digging in? Yeah, I mean, for the longest time, that was been, that's been my strategy in these no-cut events. And, I mean, it makes sense. You want to get win equity at the top, and everyone's guaranteed to play four rounds. So why not take some chances down low? But when you have bad golfers, when you get four rounds of bad golf, that's uh, it's almost worse than two rounds of bad golf with a miscut. So, um I don't know. I, in a field where a lot of the it's so stacked that you're going to get a lot of you know good players that are discounted, uh, I certainly think the balance approach is viable. Um, if the winner comes not from the very top, then you know the balance approach has a has a really good shot at being the optimal. So I'll play some cheap guys, but I don't think it's necessary, especially you know if you're playing cheap guys that you don't really like just to get the just to get the studs. I was with you on the explanation until you somehow tied it into a recommendation for Luke list. And then I got a little <laughs> bit lost, uh, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about him a little bit later. We, we mentioned him last week on the show too. He's certainly not at the top, so we don't have to talk about him in terms of studs, uh, but it, it will be interesting to see where people go at the top. We do have an early uh, look at projected ownership on site right now. Uh, if you are watching us live, if you are a premium subscriber over at Roto Grinders, you can access that projected ownership either in the article or within the body of our lineup HQ tool. Uh, but basically, every golfer between 9,400 and the top um, is currently projected between 14 and 24% ownership. So uh, you're going to see it spread out a little bit. It tends to happen a little bit more as these fields get thinned out and obviously strong at the top. And the pricing is somewhat loose uh for for an event of this caliber we've only got four golfers at or above 10k so let's talk about them first um knowing that there maybe isn't a huge step down to the next few golfers this isn't a like four a tier of four uh just easier to talk about maybe four guys and then the next five or six as opposed to 10 at once but uh we've got rory at the top obviously showed some rust last week uh john rom Solid finish for him. Justin Thomas uh, played pretty well. And then uh, Will Zalatoris, who obviously won. So three of the four guys had strong finishes last week. Uh, what do you make of these first four here this week? Yeah, I think uh, all four are pretty strong options. You know, Rory, he lost two and a half strokes off the tee last week, which probably won't happen again for the next two years. Uh, and, hey, look, he lost the Open Championship. It was a heartbreaker. So I don't blame him for missing the cut last week. I think you're – Certainly, uh, you know, able to go back to him with confidence. Will Zalatoris, I mean, he's not a guy that's just going to, you know, rest on his laurels and just be happy with the one win. I mean, he is uh, hungry. He's motivated. Uh, you could just tell, um, you know, a lot of emotion last week. But I think he's going to stay out here grinding. Um, he has a great chance to, you know, win 15 or 17 million, whatever the the first place prize is next week. So, I mean, if he's going to be the lowest owner of the bunch, uh, I certainly like him there for, for an ownership play. But uh, my favorite is going to be Rom. I mean, had his best tee to green week last week since his win at the in Mexico, um, and I, I think he's really set up nicely the next two weeks. Uh, he has the best course history of anyone at East Lake, 
And uh, yeah, I just think he maybe he's rounded into form a little too late for the majors, but uh, just in time for the big paycheck. Yeah, and uh, you can tell that he, you know, he wants it. And uh, based on some of his comments from earlier in the year, and if this course does. I am leaning towards this course playing a little bit difficult. Um, again, it's a little bit of a guessing game, but I certainly don't think with the length of the par fives, uh, the fact that four approach shots are guarded by water, there are quite a few bunkers strategically placed, and there was some renovations done to this course to kind of put those into position for some of today's longer hitters. I think this course is going to play cold. And we know that John Rahm hates the – he's always get caught on hot mic – complaining about the birdie fests that are 25 26 under that you see on the pga tour these days so if the course does play a little bit more difficult i do think that that uh suits his game a little bit better than uh, than some of the other courses so another feather in the cap uh i am with that call i think rom is uh is my favorite of the of the group um but uh all four are certainly fine thomas the one maybe uh that worries me a little bit uh, but again, it's all kind of relative in the grand scheme and you're just looking to, to maybe find a reason not to play one of these guys, but Rom, my favorite as well. Uh, like your uh, argument on Zal Torres makes a lot of sense. It's not like this is your normal, okay. Mid may win. And now we're going to, you know, a course that nobody cares about. It's uh, obviously the playoff time here and you got to get up and ready to go for the next week. So all right, let's go ahead and head into that next range of 9K options. Lots of high-end golfers with some winning upside in here as well. Uh, Cantlay, Scheffler, Finau, Shoffley, Fitzpatrick, all at 9,500 and up. Who do you like in there? Sorry, I was going to bring up one more thing with Zalatoris. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so, look, we know he misses a lot of short putts, but um, overall, he's a, he's a pretty decent putter. And uh, if you look at his approach putt performance, so how far he leaves it away from the hole, basically lag putting after his first putt, He's third on tour. Um, he's a great lag putter. And with these greens being so big, uh, I think that's another you know feather in his cap for this week. Now, uh, going into the 9Ks, a lot of good plays. I mean, you could certainly you know argue starting your lineups here. You can get three of them pretty comfortably. Um, you know, Finau's been playing great. Um, he's coming off of a uh, – you know, he's just been awesome. <laughs> Sorry, I had my, my calls mixed up here. But, um, yeah, he's been playing great, loves bank grass. Obviously, he likes difficult courses, too, and strong fields. Uh, again, time of the year where guys get hot. I like going back to Patrick Cantlay. Um, he wasn't great last week, but he's never good on Bermuda. Back on Bengrass, I don't mind going back to Cantlay. Uh, Xander's another guy that doesn't have a big weakness. He's second in my model this week um, after Rory, so you're getting a nice discount there. Doesn't look like he's going to be too popular either. So um, I think just the one bad ball striking week is kind of scaring everybody away from him, but uh, I'm fine going back there. Yeah, Fitz. I mean, Fitz just continues to, you know, grind out great finishes. He's going to be one of the safest plays on the board. Yeah, I think you can start with any of these guys. Do you have a favorite? Yeah, I think, I mean, Shawfully for me, I mean, the, the, if you would have gone back six months, like at that salary, uh, he would be the the easy chalk on the board. And now that he's not, uh, and he might up a little bit, but he's not going to be like 30%. So even if he gets up close to 20, you're not looking at massive chalk there. So uh, Shoffley for me, I think is guy. Uh, and then, you know, we, we mentioned Fitzpatrick and all his improvement and all his top finishes. And he's at a distance off the tee. Like if there's like a most improved PGA tour player award, like for this year, it, I mean, it has to be him, right? 
Yeah, I think so. Um, and he's played so well. I'm thinking about ordering the stack system. I still haven't done it, but uh, you know that the speed training system that he used uh, in the off season. So um, I don't think I'll have the same results as him. But uh, yeah. <laughs> no, you know you're not going to go out and contend in the majors. Come on. We'll see. Maybe that'll improve my DFS performance. It's been pretty bad. So. <laughs> All the outright hits are uh, help uh, are keeping Keep that afloat yeah. uh, okay for you. So, all right. Uh, yeah, so probably Shoffley um, for me. I do like Finau as well. I mean, he's been playing so well, uh, and nobody's going to let up at this point. So those are probably my two favorites. Um, I do think as we head to the lower part of the range, I think Morikawa and Hovland are interesting, and they're kind of similar players in that they both really struggle with the short game from time to time. Right now, we've got Morikawa at 21% and Hovland at 10 So I've tagged up Hovland. Yes. Again, you know, if you consider the fact that nobody's really played here and it maybe gives less of a disadvantage to the bad putters, I'll play that narrative in some of my lineups, and that's really low ownership for Hovland. He's the first guy we've seen in the single digits as far as what we've got him at right now. Uh, so I'll definitely take some chances on him in tournaments. He's my favorite GPP guy to kind of round out that 9K range. Who are you liking in that Morikawa, Burns, Hovland, M, and Julian Kim range? I mean, we usually have some guys that we like, you know, together. But, I mean, we are on the same line of thinking this week. Love Hovland. You mentioned the first time everyone's seen the course. I think that certainly helps him. The large greens. I mean, he's actually a good putter. Over the last six months, he's 14th in strokes game putting uh, in this field. Over the last 12 months, he's 20th. So, you know, definitely above the field average. He just is terrible around the green. Literally dead last on the tour. Strokes gained around the green. So, I think the big greens are going to help. Um, ball striking's been good. Uh, at least it's trending in the right direction. So, I'm right there with you on Hovland. Don't know what to do with Tom Kim. Seventh week in a row. Eventually, he's got to have a bad week, doesn't he? That's not a reason. You'd think. Him, I mean, but... you'd think. You'd think fatigue would set in now, but it hasn't yet. Yeah, I don't know what to do with him. I don't know. I, I think, but I said this last week too, and I didn't play him last week, so I don't know. I'm scared to fade him, but uh, yeah, he's got it. Fatigue has to set in at some point. Has to. Yeah, and I mean, I guess you could say. Oh, sorry. I guess you could say, you know, everyone's seeing this course for the first time. And, you know, usually he's at a disadvantage for course history. So maybe that's a reason to play him. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'll probably be out on him, but you just you look at the way he's been playing and it's it's certainly hard to argue with. So um, I, I don't mind it. Any other thoughts on these uh, the end of this uh, 9K range for you there? Uh, not really. I'm fine with Burns. No issue with Sungjae. Sungjae is very safe, but um, I like the guys in the upper eight Ks or nine Ks a little bit more. All right, uh, let's go ahead and head down into the eight K range uh, as we go, kind of from eighty five hundred nine K again. Still some quality golfers here. Uh, your thoughts on some of those guys in that range there? So it looks like Cam Young is going to be the most popular bet of the week and one of the more popular DFS plays of the week. He came off a second second and then last week finished 31st, but he lost six strokes uh, with the short game. He ended up gaining, you know, nine strokes ball striking. So I think you can go back to him. Um, Neiman played well last week and then Homa just, I mean, it's hard not to like Homa anytime 
you get them on any of these uh, classical tracks, and especially when they're on uh, not Bermuda Bentgrass. So uh, I do like Homa quite a bit. All right, so it looks like cards uh, froze a little bit. So we'll do a little solo uh, action right now. Uh, I'll answer some questions um, while we wait for him to get back on. Uh, Harry Brandt, a.k.a. Birdie Monster, a.k.a. Bogey Monster. I think he goes by both of those uh, monikers. Uh, he was asking, you know, how would you approach a single lineup in the 4-4-4-4 Millimaker this week? And uh, 500 total entries. He says some people are going to have 15 entries into it. For me, I would just build my favorite lineup, uh, my favorite four guys, and then make two two pivots maybe off of what you think is going to be chalk. Now, those things are always tough to predict because, the, you know, the higher stakes, the ownership can get really concentrated around a few different guys. So I think Cam Young's probably going to be one of those guys that gets a ton of ownership. Corey Connors tends to get a lot of ownership uh, in, that, in those high stakes. So uh, maybe make a couple pivots off of that. Um, you could go with the, you know, no 10K lineup. Uh, I think that will be a little bit contrarian, taking two or three guys uh, in the 9K, I certainly think is an option. Uh, John Hernandez says, don't sleep on Homa or Speed this week. Yeah, I like Homa. Uh, Speed, man, I picked him, uh, <laughs> I bet him last week, and he just, he looked terrible, but um, generally much better putter on bent grass. And the driving's been a lot better this year. So I don't hate that call. Uh, Bill Tomas is saying, you know, Willie Z couldn't hit a fairway on Sunday and he still won. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, quite frustrating, you know, watching him not being able to hit a fairway, but, uh, you know, he ended up getting the job done. So, um, he's just so good. I mean, he's such a good iron player and then an underrated scrambler too. So, yeah, so let's continue in the AKs. Uh, I think Lowry's an interesting, you know, sort of pivot play. Um, he's obviously a great course fit if you want to, you know, take any kind of course fit into consideration you know he's pretty good off the tee good with his irons um underrated short game as well i know the putter's been ice cold you know last couple months and but eight percent ownership at 8700 certainly interesting there i don't think you can play hideki matsuyama in something like this just because like he's uh he's miscut t68 and then he's withdrawn like four of his last 15 events something crazy like that and in a no-cut event, the only way you, you know, don't get all, four, all of your golfers to play four rounds is, is a WD. So nobody's going to play him. Um, if you want to get, you know, a little bit different in your MME builds, maybe include 10% of him. But I think I'm just going to fade him completely. I like Corey Connors. Three straight top 30s. His ball striking has been really good during that stretch. Uh, ball striking tends to translate to every course. So you can certainly uh, – and certainly count on Connors. Uh, the short game, you know, very hit or miss, obviously, but um, he's probably one of the safer options in the AKs. Hatton's been playing a little bit better, but I mean, if you look at his stats, so I dove into this uh, this morning. Uh, the, the event before this one, he had excellent ball striking numbers, which is why everyone played him last week. But last week, he lost three strokes tee to green, and then it was all putting. I think he gained six or seven strokes putting. So I want to see a little bit more consistency from Hatton. Um, Aaron Wise as consistent as they get right now. Uh, gained 6.4 strokes ball striking last week and three top 35s in a row. And he's played really well in the stronger fields. I mean, he's had a great record at the majors this year. So uh, I do like Aaron Wise at the bottom of that range quite a bit. Um, if you guys have any questions, you know, if cards doesn't make it back 
we can uh, spend some time answering any questions. So throw those in the chat and I'll try to get to them. Now let's move into the upper 8K range. Um, and man, we usually have you know, a ton of golfers in the 7K range. It looks like there are only 15 this week. So definitely a little bit more interesting. Obviously, you know, the field's a lot smaller than usual, but uh, fewer guys in the 7Ks compared to the other ranges, um, you know, relatively speaking. At the very top, yeah, Billy Horschel. I mean, typically a guy that plays a lot better on Bermuda. Missed the cut last week. I don't think I can go back to that. Russell Henley got off to a great start last week and then uh, just had a terrible Friday. Ended up missing the cut on the number. But he's gained 14 and a half strokes on approach in his last three starts. He's a guy that hits a ton of fairways. So if the rough is as thick as you know, early reports are suggesting, we're hearing four-inch uh, rough with – uh, bluegrass and fescue. So if it's tough to play out of the rough, a guy like Henley, who's very good with his long irons, very good with his mid irons and very accurate off the tee. I think he's certainly interesting. You don't have to worry about him missing the cut for sure. Uh, Cam Davis has just been on fire five straight top twenties. He's typically a guy that you don't play in stacked fields. You know, he's kind of been a, a weak field specialist throughout his career, but there's no arguing the form. Uh, he's been a very good putter on bent grass throughout his career. I actually have him seventh in this field and strokes game putting on bent grass. So if he can keep that going, uh, I think he's interesting. Will be pretty popular. Harmon, my guy. I don't know if I can go back there at 7,700. Certainly no issue. I mean, he played great on Sunday. Gained five and a half strokes on approach. His game has been trending in the right direction. So um, he does tend to play well in these uh, strong field events. Riley, I haven't gotten him right in months. I mean, <laughs> every time I play him, he misses the cut. Every time I fade him, he comes top 15. So uh, if you are a premium member at RG, just ask me in the, in the Discord whether I'm playing him on Wednesday night, and uh, I'll give you the answer, and you do the opposite of what I'm doing with Davis Riley. I like killer Keith Mitchell. Even though this isn't Bermuda, he surprisingly has better putting splits on bent grass than he does on any other surface. Uh, the approach play has been hit or miss, but he's a bomber, very good total driver. You know, he's long and straight off the tee. I think that certainly plays well at this event. Or, well, at any event, really. But any anyone that where you're going to have a lot of long par fours, you're going to have to hit driver. And he's one of the better drivers in the field. Pendrith, another one of those, uh, you know, bombers that hits it straight. He's gained at least two strokes off the tee in seven straight events. Been playing some great golf since coming back from injury. I know he fell apart on Sunday last week, but I'd rather have a T68 where, you know, you had one bad round rather than, you know, four mediocre rounds. So we'll forgive him for that bad round on Sunday. Uh, got a question from John Hernandez. Uh, any dark horse picks to be in contention on Sunday? So uh, we're going to get to one of them uh, here in a minute. Uh, Mito Pereira down at 7,100 and at 7% ownership. If he ends up being anywhere close to that, I'll probably have triple, quadruple the field. Uh, look, he's a guy that <laughs> earlier in the year he was just crushing and then obviously almost won the PJ Championship. Uh, didn't get the job done. He played a little bit. Uh, he played well the next couple weeks, but, uh, you know, miscut, 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 miscut. And then last week he finished T42. So I think he's kind of rounding into form. He gained three and a half strokes on approach. He's a guy that when he's at his best, he's an elite ball striker. Uh, what, no matter what timeline you're kind of looking at. So good drive percentage. He's second over the last six months. Approach, 10th. Uh, strokes game ball striking, 11th. Green regulation, top 10 in this, all in this field. So I think he's a guy that I will be massively overweight on. Other options in the 7Ks. I'm he, back, Noto. Sorry about back. that. He's back. I've been <laughs> I know talking. It's, it's very difficult to go solo. 
<laughs> Luckily, I've uh, had a lot of practice with my videos, but uh, yeah, need some need some water break here. The uh, uh, connection went on the fritz there for a second. The power flickered, and I had to reset the modem and all that good stuff. So uh, six minutes, six seems like I made it back in six minutes. But uh, I'm not going to open a bunch of tabs. As things on my computer are still like reloading, and I don't want to send it on the fritz again. So, uh, but I've got lineup HQ up on my phone here to uh, make sure we get through the range. But. Um, we were kind of going to the 8Ks when I lost connection, and I'm sure you went through your favorites. But uh, Aaron Wise, Max Homa, I think, are a couple of mine. I've seen a few people on Homa this week. Uh, you can kind of get him at 50 to 1, 45, 50 to 1 in a few sports books. I kind of like that as a in, in a in a 68 golfer field um, to be able to get him at that kind of odds. And I know he hasn't had the greatest like summer uh, compared to maybe where he was at five, six months ago. Uh, but I, I still think he's an interesting option, kind of in that salary range. Um, you know, and, and you look at Wise, who probably statistically profiles as one of the better options over the uh, the last few months. Uh, I think those are a couple guys that I'm looking at in the 8Ks. Uh, maybe somebody like Neiman. Obviously, Connors, if you're going to rely on the ball strikers. But uh, who was your favorite in that uh, 8K area? Yeah, I brought up uh, Wise, Connors, and Homa. So yeah, uh, yeah we're on the same. It's very strange. Just, it's remarkable how uh, similar our options are uh, this week. So uh, we'll, we'll, our ship either rides or goes down together. Um, yeah, I can't tell the outright bets though because I don't want to be the one that jinxes the outright bets. But uh, for DFS, we'll be on a fairly similar player pool. It sounds like this week. So did you dig too deep into the seven Ks yet there before I came back? Yeah, almost got to the end. So uh, you give your favorites, and uh, I'll just cover mine real quick. Yeah, I mean six from say seven point six k to eight k. Um, not a whole lot of options that I like. I, I think you know this is the range, and you start to get towards the bottom end of the seven k's is where maybe you just go after ceiling. Some of these guys that have been really hit or miss over the last few weeks that we've seen some top finishes from, uh, but yet maybe they've been a little bit inconsistent. Uh, say Pendrith had been having a really strong couple of months. We mentioned his ball striking last week. Um, you know, he, he didn't have the greatest finish last week, but again, he's shown that ceiling. Uh, the Gala, Davis Riley, guys like that, I think are interesting in the seven Ks. But otherwise, you know, say 7.6K to 8,000, um, know, Cameron Davis, Harmon, Henley are all options that you can maybe consider. Uh, but if you need that salary savings, I have no problem going down into the, the Gala range. Um, Meter Pereira, if you look at stats, I'm sure he grades out pretty well in your in your model. Um, I do like McCarthy at the bottom if you want to maybe rely on his short game. Uh, he did have another top 20 last week, and uh, uh, he's from Maryland. So uh, one of the few kind of Northeast guys in this field. I guess Keegan Bradley kind of fits that mold as well. So uh, interesting options in here. I don't think you need to go crazy and, you know, target everybody here, but I think there's some potential like top 10, top 15 plays in that range. Yep. Love uh, Mito Pereira. Uh, finally got the ball striking back last week. I wish you didn't bring up Danny McCarthy being from Maryland. Uh, I played him two weeks in a row and he missed a cut, faded him last week and he uh, crushed. Uh, and same <laughs> with Davis Riley. I haven't got Davis Riley. Yeah. I didn't play him last time. week either. But uh, uh, Keegan's interesting. And then the other guy I like is Keith Mitchell. Um, you know, his driving is just going to be such a, a weapon anywhere. So especially if, you know, you got three long par fours, you got three par fives. I think uh, you can lean on that. And you mentioned just guys that have a lot of high end finishes. 
I think he's uh, kind of fits the mold there. Yeah, and that's what again we talk about everybody getting four rounds and uh, and that. But uh, you're looking for ceiling with some of these plays as opposed to you know in this type of tournament with only 68 golfers, you're not looking for 35th. Um, you want to try to get somebody that can maybe sneak inside that uh, that top 15. So the six Ks. This is what's interesting and what part of what makes people go uh, to, to more of a, a stars and scrubs type of build is because the six K plays are a lot of golfers that we're used to paying, you know, seven K for in most fields, but they are the back half, the back end of this field because we're down to just 70 golfers. So guys like Varner, uh, Kirk, who had been playing very well, but had a hiccup last week. Uh, Grillo has been playing fairly well. You get guys like, you know, Troy Merritt, Brennan Steele, Cameron Tringali, uh, these are all guys that we're used to paying into the 7Ks for. So everyone will think, well, I can just punt uh, with this guy. And, you know, if you look at the tee to green, ball striking, anything not related to putting, uh, Brennan Steele's numbers are still really, really good over the last 36 rounds. So you use the the stars and scrubs theory to kind of make a case for list in the survey. Uh, I kind of will do the same thing with Steele if he can just get that short game going a little bit. Um I think that uh, the, the ball striking has been there. So Steele is my favorite in the six K's. Who are you liking in there? Yeah, if I like list, I certainly can't have an issue with Steele. Uh, very similar players. Uh, Steele's is in better form, but uh, similar to what you're saying. I mean, any time frame you want to look at, uh, Luke List is top 10 in this field in strokes game ball striking over the last three months, six months, 12 months. And he tends to play no cuts very well. So uh, he's not going to miss the cut. That's a positive uh, I like to still play. I think Stallings is interesting at 6,600. Ended up missing the cut by two last week. So, uh, And then Chris Kirk, look, he struggled last week for sure. But he gained off the tee again. That's 17 straight of him gaining off the tee. If uh, the rough is as thick as you know, we think it might be this week, I'm hearing four inches. Then a guy that uh, peppers fairways in the 6Ks certainly uh, don't have an issue with that. Yeah, no problem rounding out lineups with one or even two. I mean, you go superstars and scrubs and get two guys in here. Not a lot of people do that. Um, you know, if that the question would be whether that gives you enough upside. But if the four guys that you're spending on all finish, you know, first, third, fifth, and tenth or something like that, then you know, that ends up working out. So uh, it, it all is a bit interesting with how the lineup construction comes together in these no-cut events. So... Uh, let's see. Anything else that we missed? I, I thought it was weird looking at the schedule. The President's Cup uh, is not during the break. It's after the first fall swing event and before the second fall swing event. Very strange, uh, but it does not fall during that two to three week break that we've got coming up. So for what it's worth. All right. Yeah. Shout out to uh, the chat. We got a lot of questions tonight and uh, some of the, the regulars from the Discord. So uh, Andrew Sable, Harry Brandt, uh, shout out to you guys. Did and you handle those while I was incapacitated there for a few minutes. Yep. Pretty much covered uh, all the questions. All right. Just wanted to make sure we weren't leaving the people hanging there. So uh, apologies for my own personal technical difficulties. Can't, uh, can't control the connection when the, uh, the power goes out, but uh, technology is always fun until it stops working, uh, but <laughs> got back and helped Noto wrap it up so that uh, he doesn't have to go drink a gallon of water after the show. Somehow we made this show longer than our last couple, even though I thought it was going to be a little quicker with only 70 golfers, but it was plenty to talk about from last week. And uh, most of this field at this point is fairly strong. So lots of options. 
we will not have a live show next week with only 30 golfers for the tour championship. There's really not enough to uh, necessitate a live show, but if you are a premium subscriber over at Roto grinders, we will have you covered with all of our usual written content. Uh, of course you can ask questions in the discord and we will, uh, we'll have you covered there as well. And then we've got a two week break. So we will see you for golf uh, around the middle of September when the fall swing starts back up before that though, don't forget, we've got uh, football season coming up. You can check out uh, betting picks over at scoresandodds.com. You can check out our premium package over at Roto Grinders. This is the time of year where it really starts to pay off to have that combo premium package. You've got NBA isn't too far around the corner. Football, college football is coming up. I think college football starts in like 11 days. Uh, great time to be a daily fantasy player. Somewhat of a tough time to be a content provider as I do some of the college football stuff as well juggling a lot of sports uh, this time of year. Noto knows that feeling as well, Once, especially once NBA gets going. But it's a fun time of year for sports, and uh, we'll have you covered with everything over at Roto Grinders. So thanks to Steve for producing behind the scenes for us. Thanks to Noto for joining me and going solo there for 5-10 minutes. And uh, thanks to all of you for watching. I am Justin. Good luck with your golf lineups, everybody, and we will see you in a few weeks here on Drive for Show DFS for Dope. Have a good night, everybody.